Hello and welcome to Vista Talks, interesting discussions with interesting people from all around the world. I'm your host for today, Simon Hodgkins, and I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by Natalie Kelly. Natalie is the Vice President of Localization at HubSpot, a company I'm sure many of us know. Uh, Natalie is also a published author with Penguin Random House, a board member at Multilingual Magazine, and a contributor, a regular contributor to Harvard Business Review, among, I'm sure, many other areas. So you're very welcome to today's episode. Thanks for being here, Natalie. Thank you so much for having me, Simon. It's a pleasure. Uh, so let's move on. Let's get on to today's discussion. Uh, I want to jump straight in, if I can, Natalie, because the vice president of localization at this global company, HubSpot, uh, must be quite a busy, hectic role. So I, I wondered if you could maybe start by telling us a little bit about why you got into localization and a little bit maybe about your role as the vice president of localization for a company as, as large as HubSpot. Sure. Uh, so I actually got into localization a long time ago when I was a freelancer. I did some localization projects um, on the translation side as a translation provider. I didn't really enjoy <laughs> it that much back then because I felt like it was, you know, very hard to get the context that I needed and the job of the translator was really difficult and in some ways it hasn't changed a lot for a lot of localization projects on the translation side. But as for how I came to HubSpot, the company does a lot of what is known as inbound marketing. And I happened to be working as a VP of marketing at another B2B SaaS company at the time. And I saw a lot of their content and they educate their audience about topics in marketing and how to build a team and how to budget and a lot of these things that were really relevant for me. So I happened to be drawn into HubSpot first from that audience side and they really drew me in with their content and their brand. And then I happened to be introduced to someone at HubSpot and they started to talk to me about localization and said, you know, we really need somebody to help us with localization, mostly on the marketing side of things, because we want to localize all this marketing content that we put out there and, you know, asked me if I would be interested. And at the time I wasn't really looking for a job, but I said, well, sure, I'll be happy to help, but I don't think I can go work for you. And then it kind of evolved into a job for me there. So that's kind of how it all happened. And that's a typical HubSpot story where you learn of the brand, learn of the content and get kind of drawn into the company. And that's exactly sure. what happened to me. <laughs> no, thanks for sharing that, Natalie. And of course, uh, HubSpot, it, it's a globally recognized company. Lots of, lots of people use HubSpot. Uh, so thank you for sharing that. So I also know though, as part of your career at HubSpot, you've been the vice president of marketing and also the vice president of international operations and strategy, if, I, if I'm getting that correct. So what was the difference between moving between, say, the marketing, the operations and strategy and your current role, which is purely focused on this VP of localization? Yeah. So as I mentioned, when I started at HubSpot, they really just needed someone to help set up marketing localization. So when I first joined, I was originally asked to set up localization for marketing and work really closely with our CMO, Kip Bodner, uh, and others on the team to do that. But then they also needed someone to help with Latin America marketing. And I happened to be a Latin Americanist. I lived in Ecuador, did my master's degree there. I speak Spanish. And they said, well, you can do that. You were just a VP of marketing in another B2B SaaS company. So take that too. So I did that for a while. 
But then our COO and my boss at the time, who is today uh, an EVP um, of revenue operations, she and our COO at the time said, Natalie, we really think you could help us with our international strategy and operations. So do you think you could do that? And to be honest, localization was not that big at the time. And it was kind of easy for me to, to work on that. So I kind of did that on the side. And the mainstay of my job was launching new international offices, helping run basically a steering group meeting that we had every month with all of our executive leaders that were involved in our international business. And basically I had to lead that, go through the metrics performance and identify blockers, but also lead some strategic initiatives like setting up new offices in different countries. And that was the first time I had ever done that. Uh, and I loved it, <laughs> but that eventually grew to be its own role. We hired new people to take that over. And then localization, meanwhile, grew to be so big. And, you know, we really do a lot of localization that I kind of needed to focus on that full time. So now my role is 100% localization focused. It's not just localizing content, localizing the software. It's also looking at the non-English customer experience and understanding where are the gaps, not just within the things that we cover today, but the things we don't yet cover and probably need to cover. So it's a much broader, and I would say more strategic role than I think a lot of localization teams play. We really try to stay customer focused and look at the entire customer experience, not just like what's the customer doing on our software? What's the customer doing on our blog? What's the customer doing on our website? We're looking at everything from legal to billing, to renewal communications, to in-product notifications. You know, It's the whole customer experience and every communications touch point. Well, that's that's wonderful. And it sounds like that has grown over the years to be a really important area. Um, and I suppose just expanding on that question a little bit, it's the recent pandemic and because of the recent sort of move to digital and everybody's been working remotely for a, in a, a lot of companies, um, has that ex expanded the role? Has that increased the speed at which HubSpot to communications and, and global content? Or is it been just a crazy ride for HubSpot anyway, because it's, it continues to grow fast around the world? Yeah, it's a great question, Simon. I mean, I think at HubSpot, one of the things that I notice when I talk to other tech company localization leaders is our pace is very, very fast. Mm. And I don't just mean the pace of the, the growth, you know, the underlying growth, like adding revenue, adding employees, all of that, because there are a lot of companies that do that. I think it's that, but it's also the fact that we are continuous deployment. Right. You know, uh, so our entire business is continuous deployment. It's not just the software. <laughs> it's basically, when you think about it, if you're at a product-led company, your product team is building stuff and releasing it constantly, which re-release new code you know, many, many times a day. And so as a result, our product is constantly changing. What that means is our support documentation is constantly changing. Our marketing, our product marketing is constantly having to keep pace with that. Our training content, you know, our e-learning content also has to keep pace with that. And as such, all the billing communications, renewal com comms, uh, legal agreements, all of that has to change at such a rapid pace. And it, so it's not just the growth, you know, you hear 
people talk about hyper growth and that definitely is a factor. It's also the, the pace of change in terms of how quickly are we changing? In other words, it's not just like accelerating, like you're putting your foot on the, on the gas, it's that you're accelerating. And while you're accelerating, you're doing quick turns in an obstacle course. That's what it feels like. It feels like super, super fast and really, really quick and agile pivots. And so that's what's hard, I think, about localization in our context and in our company. Okay, thank you for sharing that insight, uh, Natalie. That's great. Um, so moving away from HubSpot just for a moment, um, mm-hmm. I wanted to also talk about something else that you're involved in, if I can. And I know that you, you've been a board member for quite a while with Multilingual, Multilingual Magazine uh, in particular. Mm-hmm. So could you maybe just expand on that a little bit? Because I know many of our listeners will be subscribers to Multilingual Magazine, uh, mm-hmm. a lot more in digital format in, in the recent year, but obviously... I know just from our own headquarters that, you know, there's, there's tons of the physical magazine that, that come in every issue and we advertise in it. So can you tell me about your role as on the board uh, for Multilingual, but also it's gone through quite a few changes, hasn't it, which I'm sure a lot of people know about uh, in terms of change of ownership and maybe a fresh new look and approach to things. So I'd be interested to get your view as a board member. Yes, so I am really excited about the changes over at Multilingual. Uh, since the NIMSI acquisition, I think so many great things are happening. Uh, there is a CEO now, uh, Marjoline, and also a new editor-in-chief. And it's exciting to see all the changes that are happening and how the magazine is basically being reinvigorated. And I think with the new leadership, there's a lot of new life that is being uh, breathed into multilingual. I remember multilingual from its earliest days when I was, you know, really new in the profession and I'm no longer a newbie, <laughs> I'm in my <laughs> mid forties, so I can no longer claim that status. But what I love is uh, a lot of the topics that are now being covered, a lot of the formats, a lot of the even webinars and videos and things that are being done and you know more interest in multimedia yep. i think it's great and also expanding the topics and you know considering the fact that we as an industry actually need to think about diversity and inclusion uh, that's something that our industry oddly doesn't talk about very much and it's coming a lot from the tech space where software companies are starting to really talk about this a lot more And I think that's great because that is an industry where it really needs to change. But we have a lot of diversity in our industry, but we, I don't think consciously have kind of addressed some of those topics and issues. So I'm really happy that multilingual is taking more leadership of a leadership role um, from that front and doing more in this. And I'm, I've, you know, I've known Renato Beninato for many years. We worked together at Common Sense Advisory. I'm really excited what he and Tucker are doing and really letting their leader, Marjoline, the CEO, take the reins and figure out what's best for the future. Uh, We just had a great board meeting recently and it was great to see such a diverse group of board members, but also so much great discussion about the future of the magazine and um, it's, you know, how we can reach more people, cover different topics and provide value to readers. So I'm really excited uh, for the future. No, thank you. I mean, it has been a big step change and um, it's kind of the industry magazine and always has been. And uh, it, it, I mean, it was a great concept in the, in the early days. It's been there for many, many years. 
but uh, with Mary Lyons, as you say, uh, and of course, Renato and Tucker getting involved with the, the acquisition, um, a great move. And uh, it seems to be uh, really working. You know, the magazine, you can see and notice some of those new topics coming through and the, the new strategy that I'm sure the team are working on. So thank you for sharing that because um, a lot of us uh, read that publication and, and continue to subscribe and advertise with it. So thank you, Natalie. My pleasure. Um, also, an, another thing, uh, I don't know how you fit all this in, by the way, Natalie, but another <laughs> thing that you're involved in is you're an advisor for an organization called Lottie Dolls. Now, that may not be as familiar to some of our listeners uh, as maybe it is to you and I. And for people that maybe are unaware of what Lottie Dolls is, I'd love for you to explain a little bit about Lottie Dolls, why that's kind of important to you and why you're involved in it. Sure. Well, I came across Lottie Dolls once when I was on a trip away from my daughters and I saw in Dublin airport, this beautifully designed package that had just beautiful images and artwork and a cute little doll. And I noticed that they had a selection of diverse dolls with different skin colors. Uh, they had a doll with a cochlear implant. They had a doll with autism. They had different types of dolls. And I thought, oh my, my word, where did this company come from? Why have I never heard of them before? And they are amazing. They are founded by, um, it's a small business founded in Ireland, actually founded in the UK, but they moved the company to Ireland and they're based in Senegal. And the CEO and owner um, is actually married to someone from Colombia. And at the time I was setting up our office in Colombia and I thought, what a weird, strange thing. I have a connection to Donegal. I have a connection to Colombia. I love these dolls, the product, the brand, everything. So I reached out to them and said, look, I have some marketing experience. If I can ever be of help to you, let me know. And I would love to support your business. And so I started to meet with them every time I would come to Donegal and eventually uh, we formalized that relationship and now I'm an advisor to them. And I love working with them. They have such great product ideas and it's just amazing to see what a small business can achieve and the global reach they can achieve when they, they understand digital marketing and when they can really embrace the possibilities of what you can do online. So I'm trying to help them to the best degree I can with that. And uh, I just love the company, love the people. They are amazing. And I hope they continue to, you know, ha have success in some of these big markets like the United States. I, I love seeing their products when I'm in the US at small toy shops and, sure. you know, you'll find them online on Amazon. You'll find them at little toy shops uh, throughout the US. I'd love to see them in, you know, bigger retailers so that more people can, can access their products. Well, hopefully we've, we've highlighted a few of our listeners to, to the Lottie Dolls and they can go online and, and check it out. Mm -hmm. um, so coming back to the translation then, uh, we started off talking a little bit about your career and obviously the vice president of localization at HubSpot, et cetera. But you're also a published author. Uh, and I mentioned at the top of our discussion that you're an author, a published author with uh, Penguin uh, Random House, uh, which is a very well-known and well-respected um, uh, organization and I know you've published uh, an, a couple of books which I'd like you to, to maybe touch on but also I'd like to discuss the founding translation 
book, which is about how languages shape our sort of everyday lives. Um, and I know you co-authored that book. So maybe tell me a little bit about the, the author journey, uh, your, your relationship with uh, Penguin Random House, and also maybe the latest book, if you could touch on that for us. Yeah. So um, my first book was tele on telephone interpreting, which is the early part of my career. I worked at two telephone interpreting companies and I was very passionate about that field and wanted to share kind of what that field was all about. But then as I moved on and I ended up working at Common Sense Advisory and other roles throughout my career, I really wanted to shine a light on the profession of translation and interpreting. And I had this idea for a book. Originally, it wasn't called Found in Translation. It was some other idea that I had. But I pitched it many times to different publishers. And right. I even had an agent. And the agent tried to pitch it. And they were, everybody turned us down. Uh, and I kind of forgot about it for a while. And I just kind of gave up. And the agent didn't want anything to do with me after that. <laughs> um, and then one day I started to talk to Yost Secha, who yeah. is also a board member of Multilingual and a very well-known person in the translation space. And I started to tell him about this idea I had for a book and he had some ideas for different stories and aspects. And we said, well, what if we could collaborate on this somehow? So then I reached out via LinkedIn to an editor at Perigee, which is an imprint of Penguin Random House. Yeah. And I pitched her the idea for the book and she loved it and she said can you send a proposal in a sample chapter and I was like oh I better write that real quick <laughs> <laughs> so I worked with Yoast on sketching out the proposal and the sample chapter and we submitted it and it got accepted and then we were suddenly uh, in a contract to finish that book uh, in a pretty pretty uh, tight time frame and we did it <laughs> And uh, it was great because we got to feature so many different interpreters, translators, and individuals in this profession. And it really wasn't, you know, we weren't trying to market it to the industry. We're trying to market it to everybody else who might be interested in learning about the industry. So that was the goal is like, let's try to lift up the translation profession. Let's try to shine a light on these individuals that go unseen for the most part. And let's see if we can do something to give back to the community. So that was our whole mission. And I hope we, you know, made a dent in that, <laughs> publishing that book. <laughs> no, it's excellent. We, we certainly have a copy uh, of, the, of the publication. And um, it's funny, isn't it, how you, you often hear authors who you can, you can get rejection after rejection uh, when it comes to that. And uh, sometimes, you know, you sort of come back together uh, with your co-author and you, you re-pitch it and all of a sudden it, it takes off, you know. Any plans for a third book or are you just flat out too busy now? <laughs> I am pretty busy because we just moved during the pandemic, relocated right. with two small kids and a pandemic puppy <laughs> to <laughs> Europe from America. And it has been crazy. And also HubSpot's growing like crazy. So that yeah. means we're hiring like crazy. So it has been a really busy time, you know, for me and like for everyone in this pandemic, I think we've all had our challenges. Um, I do have an idea for a book and I am talking with uh, a publisher about it. Um, and I, all I will say is I put a lot out on my blog, Born to be Global, and 
it's, you know, lessons that I've learned, I want to continue to share uh, what form that book takes, if that takes the form of a book, <laughs> uh, will be, you know, I'll share as soon as I uh, have some sort of information, but I can't commit to writing it quickly, because I have a lot going on. <laughs> Understood. And you mentioned the blog, it's extremely popular. I know a lot, a lot of uh, my colleagues would read what you put out there, uh, Natalie, so continued success with that. And of course, a future book if uh, if and when you get the time fingers uh, crossed fingers crossed yeah <laughs> so look we're coming towards the end but I've got a couple of extra questions I'd like to just squeeze in if I can um, and it's really about you talked about you, you've moved you know from the US to Europe what 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 sort of interests have you got or hobbies outside of this world of localization and translation and HubSpot have you got any any hobbies or interests that you, you can share with us <laughs> Yes, well, I have um, been hoping to take Irish Gaelic lessons oh, since okay. I arrived because we live very near the Donegal Gaeltacht and I have studied Irish on and off for many years, but I still wouldn't feel, I still have what I call cave woman Irish. <laughs> I can say like <laughs> me hungry, I cold, you know, like these kinds of things. Um, so I really would love to learn Irish. I don't know if it will be possible because most of the classes have been canceled because of the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, but I do, I do study it on Duolingo. So I try to keep up with where I can. And my kids are learning it in school. So I get to hear them every day you know, recite an Irish poem or, you know, even my daughter was translating from Irish into English last yeah, night, yeah. their homework. So it's pretty fun to be here and I get to hear it in the grocery stores. You know, I'll, I heard, uh, I heard a man say, I don't like that oatmeal. And I looked over, it was in Irish and I was like, oh, and it, I saw him telling his wife because she was holding up the box and I'm like, I understood that. <laughs> it just That's makes me feel so, so great when you learn a new language and you have those breakthrough moments. So language learning is a passion of mine. Unfortunately, I don't have a lot of time to pursue it. Um, I also love music and I'm a musician. I play piano. So I hope at some point I'll have time to do that again too. <laughs> right Very now, nice. truth be told, I don't have time, but <laughs> maybe someday. <laughs> Very good. Well, thank you for sharing that. And uh, of course, being near the, the Gale Top it, it's, uh, and, and being part of the Irish curriculum for children, of course, to learn uh, their native language, it's... Um, it's it's only a matter of time i feel natalie you know? yeah i hope so <laughs> yeah, yeah okay and uh, the last thing i wanted to ask you really is at the end of uh, our discussions here on vista talks we always like to ask if there's anything else you'd like to share or is, is there any sort of topic or area that i haven't maybe touched on that you'd like to maybe raise with our listeners before we wrap up today well i'll try to be concise with this one but Machine translation. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's one that I think about a lot because we, you know, use machine translation for various applications at HubSpot and it's becoming more and more pervasive slash ubiquitous, whatever light you want to cast it in. Um, and what I would want your listeners to know, especially anyone who is kind of afraid of machine translation, is I see so much opportunity with machine translation filling gaps that we can't fill with human translation. And so I'm actually very excited about how machine translation will help the human translation roles evolve. I think, mm. you know, I remember back when I was a translator and having to do things like scan thousands of pages, looking for specific keywords and things like that. And it was just boring work and it wasn't, 
it wasn't creative and it wasn't something that humans should do. Like that isn't our talent. We should let machines do what they're good at. And we should refocus these professions on more creative value adding work. And I'm excited about that potential. And I hope, I hope that translators and individuals working in this profession will take that really seriously and use creativity to come up with new offerings that are more important than what machine translation can do and add more value. So that's that's the topic that's always top of mind for me lately. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. And it's interesting. I've seen uh, in the industry, like there's been a marked change. The question at all the conferences many years ago was always, are the machines going to replace the translators? And everybody had those debates. And now it's exactly what you're talking about. It's how can how can the humans and the machines work in tandem mm -hmm. uh, to make the job more effective? So the actual linguistic experts can actually do the higher value tasks as opposed to what the machines can can do. And it's uh, that conversation is very much alive, isn't it? It's a very hot topic at the moment. And there's some great deployments a lot of big global brands and a, and a lot of uh, people in our organizations uh, are, are working with uh, machine translation. AI, of course, is playing a part in that. And I know as we speak today, uh, Gala is going on as well. And we have um, um, speakers from our organization speaking on the topic of machine translation on one of the panels there today. So it's... Um, it continues at a pace and it is changing very fast. So thank you for, for bringing that, uh, that uh, into this episode. Well, look, I think that brings us towards the end. We've talked about an awful lot in a relatively short amount of time, Natalie, and I really do appreciate that. So thank you so much indeed for being with us today. Thank you so much, Simon. We sure have covered a lot of ground and it was a pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me. Glad to be here. Thanks so much, Natalie. Well, look, that's the end of today's show with Natalie Kelly, Vice President of Localization at HubSpot, amongst many other things that we've discussed today. Uh, please make sure to tune in again to see and or listen to the next Vista Talks, where once again, we'll be discussing interesting topics with interesting people from all around the world. Thank you, Natalie. Thank you.